Up next on Inside the SCCA, Rally 101. Our guest today is a rally guy through and through. He's a Hoosier, born in Indiana, educated at Astronaut U, Purdue University. He has an aeronautical engineering degree. He dedicated his 45-year engineering career to the auto industry, the second half with Ford, an SCCA member since 1999 and a rally competitor since day one. A road rally safety steward and instructor who's taught many groups of safety stewards over the years. He was Detroit Region's Rally Director from 2001 to 2003. He was also the Divisional Road Rally Steward for the Central and then the Great Lakes Division from 2004 to 2020. He joined the Road Rally Board in 2017 and began serving as its chair in 2021. Our guest is Mike Bennett. How you doing, sir? I'm good, Brian. How about yourself? I am fantastic. It's uh, a beautiful afternoon or morning here in uh, in the greater L.A. area. And uh, we're in the dead of our winter, which is very different than the dead of your winter in Michigan. I'm assuming you don't have much snow. Well, I can see snow from my house. How's that? Does that help? Close enough. <laughs> I'm in a spot. I'm in the San Gabriel foothills. So if I look up and a little south of me, believe it or not, I can see the uh, the, the snow on the tops of the mountains. So cool. it's really kind of a cool for a Midwest guy to be in, in Southern California because <laughs> I could get just close enough from, to snow like, oh, I remember shoveling that. And mm-hmm. I don't have to do it anymore. Thank you very much. So... <laughs> So we've got you here. First of all, welcome and thank you for being on. Uh, One of the things I've wanted to do with this podcast since day one is go through all of the different programs that the SCCA does and help people get started. You know, I'm a guy who is, I think there's three types of people out there. When they decide to do something, they either just jump in with no idea what's going on. Or they do just kind of a little bit of research or they find someone to go hang out with. Or they research everything until the nth degree, almost to the point where maybe they don't even do it, but they just like to research it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm kind of close to the latter, the latter of that group. I am a voracious researcher and trying to learn before I do something, but I actually usually do go and do it. Um, and that's kind of what I'm trying to do here is offer resources to folks who are either new to the club or maybe have, have thought about a rally and have never done a rally. And, mm-hmm. and so this is going to be what I like to call Rally 101. I'm going to do Solo 101. I'm going to do Rally Cross 101. And eventually I'm going to do 201, 301, and 401 so that mm-hmm. we can go through all of the different uh, uh, iterations of how we do what we do in the club. So that's how we start the premise of this. So let's start with Rally 101. I'm a new guy. I've never done Rally before. Uh, full disclosure, I have done a couple of rallies, so I'm not. T- but I'm going to play the role of the guy who's never done anything before. Uh, I'm not good at it. I I, <laughs> I understand the premise. Uh, I've never done anything more than than the the the, the least um, equipment. So you know the calculator and a stopwatch. Um, mm-hmm. But let's get to all of that. So I'm a new guy. I've I've either heard about it from a friend, which is probably what has happened, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go and do my first rally. Let's start with, how do I find a rally? 
to go do? Okay. Uh, there's actually a lot of information out there. Uh, I would suggest that that person, if he's an SCCA member, go to his region website, go look at the road rally page and look at local events. Uh, there's also a calendar of all the events that are going on in the nation, and that's available on the national SCCA website. On the Under road rally and programs, there's a, a link for calendar, and that gets updated frequently, and it shows events at every level. It's got local stuff, it's got divisional stuff, national, so forth. So there's a lot of information that's easily available. Got it. I'm going to assume, like most of what we do with the club, its membership has its privileges, mm-hmm. and you can either be a full SEC member or I'm guessing at most rallies they offer like a weekend membership option, right? Absolutely. So that means you can even oh, you can even sorry for interrupting. You could even be a trial member if one person in the car is a weekend member, the other one could be a trial member. So there's no charge, right, right, for that. So I guess the best way to get started is to be a so let me ask you, before I even go further, can there be a third person in the car during a rally? There can uh, at most levels. Okay. Uh, it's, we, don't, we don't recommend it because right. the third person tends to be uh, an interrupter. <laughs> and, you know, the, too much information is, is too much. You do need to have two in the car. Right. And right. I, I was going to mention earlier that if a person interested in getting started, the very first thing they should do is find a friend, family member, coworker, uh, whatever, and see if they're interested. Right. In, because the great majority of rallies require a driver and a navigator. Right. So, so that was going to be my next thought was, I guess the best way to get started is to get started with somebody who's already done it before. Cause there's a learning sure. curve there, but let's yep. say for instance, you and your friend, or you and your significant other. I I tried to teach my wife how to golf once. So maybe doing it with your spouse might not be a bad idea, might not be a good idea, but maybe it is. You know, I know there's some very successful husband and wife teams and boyfriend, girlfriend mm-hmm. teams out there. Uh, there are. That may not be for everybody, though. Um, uh, but, but let's just say I don't have a friend who, who's done this before and I want to get started. If I show up at a rally for the first time, uh, is there a particular, because there's several types of rallies, which would you recommend would be the best first rally to, to go to? Well, to put a toe in the water, uh, a person could go to a trek. They don't even need that second person to do a trek event because okay. it's, non, it's non-competitive. It's a convoy style, follow the leader kind of a thing. A nice day driving in the country, uh, usually on interesting roads. So that, that's one way to get in. Uh, that's the non-competitive side. All of our competitive events require that second person in the car. Uh, if There are people who bring their kids, their dogs, uh, their neighbors, uh, whatever. And if you're just out to have fun, uh, right. w- why not? If you're to the point where you're going to take the competition seriously, it, it's really better to just have two people in the car. Great, great. So if you are, if and, and the two people in the car, obviously one drives. Uh-huh. W- what does the second person do? Okay, the second person we used to call co-driver in the old days, but nowadays primarily we call them navigator. And right. that person is reading a set of route instructions that have been provided for the event and telling the driver when to turn, where to turn, um, what landmark to look for, that kind of thing. Sure. 
So I, I think we should maybe pause just for a second and, and let people know, because there may be some people out there who have no idea what a rally is. Mm-hmm. These are, are non-speed events held primarily on public roads. Yep. And and the, the, the rally is set up so that speeding and breaking the law is never part of the rally. Mm-hmm. And the goal is to follow a set of instructions, however the instructions are set up for that particular rally, to get from point A to point B in a specific time. Mm-hmm. And if you are We're, early or late, you get points or negative points. Is it negative points or is it just points? You get points. It okay. doesn't matter if you're early or you're late, you get points. And what you want to have is the fewest of those if possible. Right. So rallies like golf, the lowest score wins. Uh, and and so that's kind of the plan, is you want to do the time and distance, or you want to do the, the rally in the exact prescribed amount of time, as the, the instructions uh-huh. say, and those who come close to being spot on get the lowest points and win. Right. Okay. Uh, one, one expression that I've used to uh, describe road rally to people is that it is a precision driving and route following event. Got it. Okay. Now that, and that's what we would call time speed distance rallying. There are other types of road rallies, uh, which are also competitive. There's uh, game tour adventure rallies, which is more like a sign hunt or mm-hmm. a map following kind of event. Uh, you don't have to maintain a specific speed in those kinds of events. Um, and some people may have experienced something like them uh, in certain parts of the country. They're what are called social road rallies. Uh, I used to live in Cadillac, Michigan, Michigan years ago, and there was a group there that did things like that. It was kind of a treasure hunt or sign hunt kind of a poker thing. Run. GTA, poker run. GTA yep. is like that. It, it, it can include all of those things. Uh, it is competitive, but it is not a timed event Got per it. se. Uh, the type of rallying I've done uh, for the 23 years I've been in, at it is the time, speed, distance rallying, and that's where the precision driving and route following really comes in. Got it. And I, I would venture to guess in my my limited knowledge that the time, speed, distance rallies are the most common, correct? They are. Okay. So let's say we're going to a time, speed, distance rally, and you're just starting out. The only thing you need to bring with you is... A clipboard and a smartphone. Okay. It's it's uh, really that easy nowadays. Wow. Uh, the, great ma- the great majority of events now are using uh, a GPS-based system. Okay. Uh, you, can, you can download an app on your phone, and the app will tell you whenever you've passed a control. It, could tell you, it will tell you what your score was at that control. Uh, it'll chime when you get to a restart to tell you you're at the right place to restart for the next section. Uh, so it's really very simple. Uh, most of the time the club has had road rally, which is many decades, uh, we use what are called open controls, which would be people in a car on the side of the road with a, some way to measure your time as you got there. Um, and that for to do that, you really needed to do more calculations. You needed a calculator, a good clock, that kind of stuff. But in the last three years, we have seen a, almost a sea change uh, with people with Rally Masters now using uh, GPS-based apps. So it's much simpler, and you don't you don't need any special equipment. Cool. That's a whole new deal. Because last time I did a rally was you know they handed you a a packet of of instructions, mm-hmm. and you had to know how to read the instructions. 
and 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 I'm guessing there's still instructions on the GPS app. The same. So so is it kind of like they've just digitized the the whole system? Is that basically what's happened? Not the whole system. Okay. The controls, the timing and scoring right. are all in the app. You're still given a set of instructions. Okay. You still need to read them and understand them. Um, and those instructions will tell you what average speed you have to maintain right. for each portion of the event, as well as telling you where to turn, what mileage, what, right. what landmark, that kind of thing. Okay. So let's go back to the start here. And I've decided to do it. I've decided to do a time speed distance rally. Uh, mm-hmm. I've signed up, and now I'm I'm and I'm bringing my clipboard and my GPS smartphone. Now I'm showing up at the event. Tell me what what's going to happen when I get to the event. Okay, nowadays most events have uh, online registration. Not all. Uh, so if you haven't haven't registered online, you would check in with a registrar. You get your packet of information and so forth. Uh, the rally master would hold uh, a safety discussion, probably fifteen or twenty minutes. Uh, and people would be given time then to ask questions, all of that. Uh, and then the teams start uh, the event. And in road rally, time speed distance road rally, uh, the cars are supposed to maintain distances of one minute apart. So the cars leave on the course uh, every minute on the minute. Sure, sure. So it's kind of like if you're familiar with like time trialing and cycling, it's almost like how they do it at the Tour de France where every rider leaves one minute apart or two minutes uh-huh. apart. Uh, and and you you know you're doing well if you've, in, in those types of events, if you catch the guy in front of you, but that's not the goal in a time speed distance rally, right? That's absolutely correct. Uh, if that person in front of you is on time, you don't even want to see them. Correct. Because you're supposed to be a minute behind, which is often on the order of a half mile right. apart. So in a perfect world, which of course it never happens, every <laughs> car comes to the finish line a minute apart or, right. or as close to that as possible, right? Yep, yep, that's right. And and at, at the controls, they're if they're doing well, they'll uh, all arrive about a minute apart as they pass the controls. One of the things that's new now uh, with the app-based controls is that you don't stop. Got in it. the old days, you stopped at the control car, and then there would be a place called an outmarker right, that you would right. go to, and you would begin competing again. We don't have that now. Basically, it's just a flow. You're, you're driving past the controls, and you're make, trying to maintain your average speed and so forth. Right, okay. So there's really no um, – once you get to the control, the next segment starts right away, correctly? Correct? Yes, Okay. that's right. Now, the, the event will be broken up into segments. There'll right. be breaks so people can go to the bathroom, get a get a soda, get sure. gas, that kind of thing. Uh, in a divisional or national event, those are typically about two hours apart. So the segments okay. where you'd be in the car. Uh, regional events tend to be shorter, and you know they may only have one break in the middle, that kind of thing. Right, right. So, and, and I'm getting ahead of myself, though. If you're, let's say you get lost and you're wildly late for a, a, a particular control, you're not going to try to make up that time in the next control, right? You kind of like you, your clock starts over at that point. Right. We have uh, in Road Rally uh, a thing called time allowances. Okay. And they're specifically to prevent people from speeding. Right. Uh, if they have to stop, uh, if they get off course, if they have to change a tire, navigator needs to go to the bathroom, whatever. Uh, and each event will typically have a maximum amount of time allowance that you, you can use. Right. Um, and they can do they can do that if they're 
really lost, uh, they can call the rally master. The information <laughs> packets include right. contact information for the rally master, and he can help them get back uh, on course. Right. So let's talk a little bit about the instructions, because that's mm-hmm. always the, the you know, I, I the first time I, I did a rally, I, I saw the instruction sheet, and it looked like, to me, like some Egyptian hieroglyphics. And I was like, oh, this is going to be, there's some skill involved in doing this. Uh, so explain how the instructions are, are written and how mm-hmm. people can learn about how to follow them if they're going into their first rally. Right. Okay. Well, first off, there are two separate sets of instructions. There's what are called general instructions. Okay. And they talk about the event, like what counties you're going to drive through, uh, who did the measuring of the course, that kind of thing. Uh, gives information about where the, uh, wh- what time the rally starts and all of that. Uh, it also may con- uh, contain important information like uh, how they're going to break ties or, um, that kind of thing and, and cautions like you can't drive and drink uh if right. you get a ticket if you get a ticket you're eliminated from the event that kind of stuff that's all in the general instructions so that's kind and of then, like the for our road racing and autocross brethren brothers and sisters that's kind of like the supplemental regulations there you go there you go and then the route instructions are what you saw probably had what we call tulip diagrams uh-huh. in them they're they're illustrations of intersections right and it shows you which direction you're entering and which direction to to leave uh, the intersection so the route instructions are all numbered you have to complete one before you do the next one uh, and they will include a lot of information they include mileage they include what average speed you're supposed to maintain they include things like pauses at certain intersections if there's a traffic light uh, that might take a minute or more to get through. So there, there are pauses built in um, and uh, cautions. They can tell you if there's like a sharp turn over a crest, uh, potholes ahead, that kind of thing. Right. A lot of information. So you, you do each one. Uh, typically, the route instructions don't tell you uh, exactly where the controls are. But in a lot of events now with the GPS-based controls, they'll tell you which road they're on. Got it, okay. So that you can relax in between sections where there's where there are controls. Sure, sure. So it, it, for, for those folks who might want to do a little more research before getting into this, is there a, a document that can be downloaded off the SCCA website, kind of like a, 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 you know, a Rally 101 document, or is there a, a good video yeah. to watch? There's actually a lot of information uh, on the Road Rally program page on the SCCA website. There, we have a section called Rules and Documents. There are handbooks there that describe how, how the events are created and so forth. Uh, safety rules. There's a, a lot of information. There. That's a good place to start. Right, right. And if they want to have a discussion with somebody to help them, the real newbies, we have a committee called the Road Valley Regional Development Committee. Okay. Uh, and people there are working with regions to help them start uh, programs or restart them if they've been long dormant. That kind sure. Of thing. Uh, so they're they're also a good source of information. Cool. Cool. 
All right, so so and the GPS app that's being used a lot now. I'm assuming there's no map involved with that, like a like a Waze. It's it's literally because it, yeah. that's kind of the whole point of this is that y- you're not letting your GPS tell you where to go because that would kind of take the skill out of it, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the competitor app does not have a map in it. Okay. Uh, the, there's also a Rally Master app. And it has a map, and he, the rally master, can actually watch the competitors as they move around the, the route. Uh, and there's a another app called uh, Scoreboard, and if you go in there, you can see your scores and that of the other teams. Got it. Okay. Uh, in real time. Now, when you're in the actual competition part of it, there there isn't time to look at scoreboard. Sure. Uh, but the uh, competitor app is the one that uh, you'll be using actually during the rally got it and are they all integrated is they all all three apps work together is that kind of how that works yes yes all created by the same team got it uh, okay and for a given event those are all all synced together great great all right so i'm there i've signed up i've i've got my packet of information the time for for this whole thing to start is let's say 8 30 a.m it's mm-hmm. it's eight o'clock. I'm I'm you know got the butterflies in my tummy. What 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 should I be doing at this point? <laughs> well, relax if you can. Okay. Uh, leave early. Uh, the events, most time speed distance events, uh, don't actually start uh, at the headquarters, which might be a restaurant or a gas station right. or uh, hotel, uh, whatever. So there's. Uh, distance and time to get out away from that to where the competition actually starts. Uh, and we use a transit, what's called a transit, typically 20, 30, 40 minutes, depends on how far the uh, competitor has to go to the actual start of the competition portion. Uh, and typically during uh, that transit, there's also what's called an odometer calibration run where they can see how well their odometer matches the one that the uh, rally master used to measure the course. And they get an idea of if their odometer will read high or low, that's important to help them get the turns at the right place. I remember that being a a thing I I, I got all up and about because I was like, oh, I got to calibrate my odometer. If your odometer's close and it's your first rally, I just forget about the odometer calibration, about. right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, it, it does. It is helpful in the sense that it gives you practice on following the instructions. Sure. Sure. Because the calibration run includes mileages and places right. to turn, that kind of thing. Uh, so it, that's that's helpful. Uh, but yeah, for first timers, I wouldn't worry about that. Uh, most modern cars, unless you put a grossly different size tire, that on was it, just what I was going to suggest. Probably. Yeah, you're probably okay. If you're close to the the diameter of the whatever the factory built the car with, uh, you're probably okay. I know we have a lot of folks out there who love to aftermarket their cars and, and they'll put a fancy set of wheels on it. And, and then when they'll put the, the, the either high profile, or most likely low profile tires, and they don't always match up with the tire circumference. And yep. then you get your odometer that, you know, it'll tell you you're going 55. And then the Mr. Police officer pulls you over and you're doing 68. And you're like, well, I, my, my odometer said I was doing 55. And you're like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> So, yeah. so yeah, that makes a good point. If if you if you have your stock tires and wheels mm-hmm. set up, you probably are really close on the odometer. And for your first one, yeah. you might not have to get too crazy about it. So yeah, it's a, that's right. 
And I also, I guess it makes sense then if that's part of the calibration to make sure that your tires are filled with the proper PSI because that will affect it a little bit as well too, right? Mm-hmm. That's true. Got it. Got it. All right. So it's time to ro- it's time to go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have my 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 navigator, or I'm navigating for my driver. What's how, how does the thing start, and and what am I going to expect here? Okay. So you've driven this transit zone out to some place away from cities and all that. Um, and there will be in the instructions, a t- start time for each car. And typically it's a number and you add like, let's say it's eight thirty or eight, let's say it's, they've done a transit. It's now 9.00 AM. Their car number five, they're going to start at nine Oh five. Right. Right. And car number six will start at nine Oh six and so forth. So you're waiting for your start time. Uh, the instructions will tell you what, average speed to maintain. And if you're a first timer, you're not going to do the math. You're not going to do all the calculations. Of, but if you drive slightly higher than uh, the average speed that's that's uh, in the instructions, for example, if it says 37 miles an hour, you drive about 40 and still stop for stop signs and slow down for curves and all that, you're going to be in the ballpark uh, of staying on average, uh, average speed. So you just start driving. And as you go along, uh, you're following the instructions and you'll cut, you'll pass a sign or a landmark and the app will tell you that there was control there. It'll ding and it'll tell you, you know, you were a second early or five seconds late or whatever. Uh, and you just keep going. Um, eventually there'll be a restart. Uh, typically the sections of rally that, uh, between restarts are in the, 10, 15, 20 mile kind of uh, range. Uh, and at that restart, again, you'll have a time and add your car number to it. You'll start that portion of the event at that time. Cool. And basically, like you said, it's it's like a, a round of golf. You're doing each controls a hole mm. and you're just going from hole to hole and there you go. looking for the low score. All right. So that got us started. I think this is probably a good place to take a little bit of a break here. Uh, When we come back, I think my first question is going to be, what happens if I get wildly lost? We're going to do that when we come back next. This is Inside the SCCA. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm FE2 driver Kelton Jago, and when I'm towing my car to the racetrack, I listen to Inside the SCCA podcast. When I need numbers for my autocross time trial or road race car, I go to autocrossdigits.com. Christian and his crew offer top quality magnetic and vinyl numbers. Their website is easy to navigate. The prices are great and most orders ship in four business days. If you need numbers for your car, check out autocrossdigits.com. Tell them the podcast guy sent you. Welcome back to Inside the SCCA. I'm Brian Belansky, my host, or my guest. I'm the host. He's the guest, Mike Bennett. He is the chair of the Road Rally Board for the Sports Car Club of America. Our topic today, Road Rally 101. We've gotten ourselves to our first rally. We've gotten ourselves to our first checkpoint. Everything seems to be going well. And this is going to happen. I'm just going to put it out there right now. This will happen to you. You are you you think you're doing the right thing and you realize I am wildly lost. Mm-hmm. What, what happens? Okay. Well, 
the route instructions uh, will include where the breaks are. I mentioned mm-hmm. before that rally is broken into kind of segments of two hours or so. Uh, the information will be in there about where that, like the mid break or the uh, afternoon break or whatever are. So you could drive to there sure, and, re- and rejoin the event. Uh, the general instructions will also say where the rally ends. Got it. Typically, it's at the same place where it started. So you know where the headquarters is. You can drive there. Um, you can call the rally master. That information is in the uh, general instructions, and uh, they will certainly try to get you back on course. Um, some rallies include a map, uh, but typically it's a map of like where the break is. Right. And, you know, where you're going to restart after the break, that kind of thing. Got it. Got it. And and sometimes the rally instructions have like an intersection on it, right? Where it tells you like the, the names where two roads intersect. That is true. And that you might always... be a place where you could, you know, get yourself to that intersection and say, I'm going to pick it up there, right? You could do that. Yes. Uh, the route instructions typically give the road names uh and street names and when you're going through towns and yes you if you know those two things you could find an intersection and go there sure now is it cheating to pull out a map in that situation absolutely not Uh, (laughs) i've done it myself okay okay good good (laughs) now i'll give you an anecdote uh early on when i was road rallying uh my partner and i got lost and we were so lost that even with a book of county maps we couldn't figure out which county we're in we had to stop and ask a farmer wow which county, which county we were in and then when we went to the correct page in the atlas we were able to get back on course well that makes me feel better someone with with a <laughs> an engineering degree from purdue university was able to get that lost i love that <laughs> um so in in the each segment has like a maximum points that you can get right so if you if you like completely screw up a segment you're only going to get so many points off right that's right each control has a max early or late and uh, typically it's on the order of a minute okay um some depends on the rally sometimes they use 30 seconds uh, if you're more late than that, you don't get a higher score. If you're more early than that, you don't get a higher score. Got it. Got it. And of course, you know, it's it discouraged to try to make up time if you've gotten lost to the point where you're not following traffic laws, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the events are designed so that people don't have to speed and we have time allowances to enable them not to speed. And, and again, if they get it, if they're cited for a traffic violation, they're eliminated from the from the event. So we, we discourage that uh, as much as possible. Uh, if you're late a little, five seconds, ten seconds, maybe fifteen seconds, and you can drive a little faster than the average speed that's that's uh, called for, but within the limit, uh, why not? If you're lost and you're several minutes late, stop, take a TA, figure it out, try to get back on course. So the instructions typically say, if I remember correctly, that, you know, it gives you a speed you're supposed to be traveling at. That speed is typically somewhat below the speed limit, right? Yes, uh, it may be well below. Um, For example, in a rural road where the speed limit's 55, you may be told to go 37, 41, that kind of thing. 
and that's to give you margin so that if you're stopping at stop signs, you're slowing down for curves, that kind of thing. Yep. Now, some rallies, what we call brisk time speed distance rallies, the speeds that are in the instructions will be closer to the speed limit. They might be, if the speed limit's 55, the, the, a brisk rally might say go 51. Got it. Okay. Something like that. But the, what we call novice friendly events, there'd be a, a more headroom between the speed limit and, and the average speed. And that gives people the opportunity if they do get a little bit behind to try to catch up and not break the law to do it. Absolutely. Got it. Got it. So, so that's good to know because in my experience, and again, I've not done a lot of rallies In my experience, you're going to get lost (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you're probably going to blow one control at least, if not multiple controls. And remember, we're doing this to have fun. So, so, you know, once you get to that next control, what happens to start the the second or the third or the fourth? How do you start the next control? Right. Okay. Well, the controls tend to be uh, in a, a string. There might be two, four, seven controls. And in most rallies after that, you'll have a restart, what we call a time of day restart. Okay. And uh, if, if you're, if you can get there, even if you're late to the time you should be leaving, you can, again, you can take a time allowance and start uh, and, and, you know, resume competing. The competition is really a set of segments uh, of uh, road where the controls are. All right. So what's the typical length of a rally is this a you know a four or five hour event is this a 10 hour event what's the mm-hmm. what's the typical setup for something like that right well it depends on the type of event and the level if it's a regional event uh it, well let's start even before that if it's a social event it might only be 75 miles long and okay. it might last two and a half three hours um regional events tend to be a bit longer they're required to be at least 90 miles mm-hmm. long and there often are more than that, and they might last four or five hours. Divisional and national events tend to be uh, 180 miles or more. Okay. Some events uh, in the Midwest here, we have events that are 225 miles long, and they're they're eight or ten hours. Okay. Uh, it, it, which I think is one of the uh, things that is great about road rally is that you get a lot of seat time for not a lot of money. Right. Now in in. In the events, there's nothing that says that the driver and the navigator can't switch seats, right? Not at all. And, and is that a typical that. situation? It isn't typical. Uh, it Among those that are just trying it out and having fun, yes. Okay. Uh, for the people that are taking the competition more seriously, that's untypical okay. uh, to trade. Because, you know, the driving's actually the easiest part of this event, right? It's the, the or, or is it, is, is there a, enough skill in both? I, I, I'm not trying to <laughs> diss the drive, but the navigators is where, where the real skill and talent comes in, right? Uh, there's a set of skills. That <laughs> I'm are trying different. to walk you down a road that I don't think you want to walk down. <laughs> I, I actually don't. My driver will be unhappy when he hears this. Okay. Uh, my partner who drives, uh, yeah, there's a set of skills for the driver. There's a set of skills for the navigator. Uh, and the navigator is more of understanding the instructions and clearly communicating them to the driver. Right. Because if he doesn't do that, the driver will turn it to the wrong place and you will get lost and so forth. Uh, the driver has a couple things he needs to do. He's, he's trying to maintain that average speed. 
Right. Uh, he's watching out for stop signs and curves and so forth. Um, and um, he's keeping an eye on what road they're on. Sure. Okay. That's that's helpful to know which road you're on, because if you skip a step in the instructions and that road name there doesn't match the one you're on, that's a quick clue that you've you've made a mistake somewhere. Maybe you need to run back and right. uh, try it again. Well, and a lot of these events are, are purposefully done in rural areas, and a lot of times mm-hmm. roads aren't really well marked in rural areas. That is absolutely right. And one of the challenges for uh, the rally master, the person who uh, put the event on, is to give enough information that people will turn at the right place, even if there's no street sign there. And uh, you're right, in rural areas, that's, that's often the case. Um, road rallies tend to use secondary roads. Uh, because there's less traffic there, right? Uh, less interaction with uh, locals uh, who might not like 20 cars passing their house one minute at a, apart. Sure. Uh, or, or not understanding why uh, that's going on. Uh, but yeah, uh, and depending on where the region is, you may find that the rally is all paved roads. You may find that it's primarily unpaved roads. Uh, you may find if you're running the Press On Regardless rally in northern uh, Michigan that it's sand roads. So it really de- really depends on the event. You mentioned Press On Regardless. That's one of the legendary rallies in North America. And, yep. uh, you know, we and that's not one of your typical, like, newbie-type rallies. That's some pretty <laughs> serious business, right? It is. It is primarily for experienced people but they have novices every year people who come and try it and and uh most of them survive very well sure uh that's a that's a challenging event and uh as i look back at the 23 years i've been uh involved in rally i won my class uh, at that event uh once in the early aughts Mm -hmm. and uh that's one of my uh accomplishments i really feel good about one of my goals with the with the podcast is to go and take the podcast to every premier event the club puts on you know Mm -hmm. all the nationals and and things like the press on regardless and the june sprints and and the rose cup races in portland and and all of that kind of stuff but not only do i want do i want to take the podcast there i want to participate in all of those events uh, Good for you, and and that's and I want to t- talk about that on the podcast, you know. Mm-hmm. So so press on regardless is on that bucket list. I've created my my podcast bucket list, and you know, being from the Midwest, growing up in the Midwest and in, in the Chicago, Wisconsin area, we heard about the press on regardless is this thing that was you know it's a scary thing to go to as a rally person, <laughs> and and so so I don't want to get too deep into that because we can talk about that. We're gonna do a whole show on the press on regardless at some point, um, but just Great. give people just a little taste of what they get if they go to a big event like that well you get more seat even more seat time uh the press on regardless event typically is at least 350 miles long it used to be two days and 550 miles but that was difficult for people to you know put that much time into it right uh but you'll get a variety of roads including uh what are um essentially trails uh, through the woods and often sand, big rocks, that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's it's a challenge. It's a physical challenge as well as a mental uh, challenge to follow the instructions for hour after hour after hour. Right. Uh, and and it's it, it's not like uh, the great majority of other rallies that are out there. Um, I was going to suggest 
if rather than go there in one step, right, you might come you might come to a, a U.S. road rally challenge, which is our kind of equivalent to the runoffs, uh, nationals, that right. kind of thing. Right. And uh, that is going to be in Detroit region uh, in November uh, this year. Right. And what you get there is three rallies on a mixture of roads, uh, paved and unpaved, um, and some very high level competition, but, but we always get novices there. Also. Sure. Sure. Well, I was, the press on regardless will not be my first rally. <laughs> I'm going to do it because I'm that guy who likes to do a lot of research and practice and that kind of stuff, you know, and while I don't have any, any, uh, any grand uh, aspirations of winning any of these events I'm going to go to, I'd like to not embarrass myself at any of the events I'm going to go to. So, so, you know, I, I don't imagine that, that that will be my first rally. Now the press on regard, and I don't want to, again, I don't want to get too deep into it. it it's, it's also, has a day and night component too because it's so long right that's right right typically you run well into the night right uh again years ago um they would run like from early afternoon friday to well into saturday morning there'd be a break and then you'd go saturday morning well into saturday night uh nowadays it's a one-day event and they typically start early in the day uh eight or nine in the morning and then run late probably 11 midnight somewhere in there it kind of feels like a world rally challenge event without the speed without the speed you know without the racing component of it right because it's got off roads and on roads it's a lot of different terrain yep 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 you're you're right it it is like that uh the speeds are not nearly as high or dangerous as a wrc event would be so we're going to do a whole episode on that. I, I don't want to run down that rabbit hole right now. So let's talk about a little bit more just going into, I think we've kind of covered what, oh, let's get to the end of the rail. Let's cover mm-hmm. how a, a, a newbie gets to the, the end and what I'm going to guess many people think might be the best part of the rally, and that's the gathering afterwards. So how do, how do we end a rally? Right. Well, most events are going to end at a place where you can get food and drink. Um, and so a restaurant hotel, whatever. And uh, there'll be a relatively short wait as uh, the, the scores are poured over by the rally. There's usually a person who's helping the rally master uh, score all the cars. The information from the app goes automatically to the rally master. So the, he's got all of that in real time as the cars are on the course and uh, going past the controls. Uh, and, you know, There'll be typically scores will be posted uh, and they are um, after 20, 30 minutes, they become final in in the interim. People can say, hey, wait a minute, that's not correct for me. Right. And, you know, here's why that kind of thing. So scores can be challenged uh, until they're made official. Uh, But there's lots of there's usually, um, you know, 20, 30, maybe 40 people. Uh, having a good time talking about how things went on the route, uh, what mistakes they made, what they learned, you know, uh, hey, this was a great time, or hey, I didn't really have a good time. And, you know, a more experienced person can say, okay, well, t- what went wrong? Right. And try to help them see, you know, what they could do differently next time. Yeah, it's a great opportunity to sit down with somebody who you probably have never met before and kind of pick mm-hmm. their brain a little bit and say, you know, hey, I'm a. Yep. And, in my experience, the uh, everyone there is just loves to talk to new people and, and get them excited and, you know, yeah. tell some stories because, you know, 
all us car people like to tell stories. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, so that's a great opportunity to, you know, plan your day so you have an hour or two at the end to hang out and talk mm-hmm. with the people who you just participated with, make some friends. Uh, you know, th- there's one out here that they have, it's called the First Friday Night Rally. Every Friday night, mm-hmm. uh, every first Friday night of the month, the it's and it's a, a club that's aligned with the California Sports Car Club, Cal Club. It's the Santa Monica Sports Car Club is who puts on the First Friday Nighter, I believe. And mm-hmm. uh, they do a rally that starts at 7 o'clock in the evening for registration, and I think the first car goes off at 8 or so. And so it's all at night and in the winter that means it's all in the dark in the summer you might get the first hour or so in daylight then you go into the evening Uh, but that's a really great opportunity for a couple reasons one it's a little shorter so it's it's usually two hours at the most and Mm -hmm. and and it's it's a little tougher at times because it's all in the dark which makes it harder to see things both as your navigator and as the driver and then but the nice part about it is because they do it every month you can actually measure your progress pretty quickly. You know, you could if you were to yep. do the first Friday night for let's say a year, by the end of that you're going to pretty much know what you're doing or you've quit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um Yep. So and and, and I, I I would assume or or I would guess that there are regions around the country that have similar regular rally programs like that whether it's on a Friday night or a Saturday or whatever, that uh, if you were to do it a couple times, because I'm going to be honest, just like anything, the first time you do it, you're not going to do very good. you know. But the whole point is to have fun and hopefully have enough fun to want to come back and do it a second time. Uh, Absolutely. And, and there's another golf analogy there. You know, Golf is one of those games where you can have 17 bad holes, but you mm-hmm. get the 18th hole and you birdie it or you par it and you go, I'm good at this and I'm going to come back and do it again. Rally is kind of the <laughs> same way. You can have a bunch of bad controls, but you hit two or three pretty close. You're like, oh, I got this, you know? Yeah, yeah. One of the things that has been interesting with the GPS-based apps, what we see is that novices, even the very first time they're using uh, or competing with that system, you can see them actually improve their scores as the event goes on. Oh, cool. They, they will learn from, you know, they, they hit a control and they're 10 seconds late. So the driver adjusts. And the next control, they're maybe three seconds late or they're two seconds early, that kind of thing. And uh, we, we have seen this, especially the first year, uh, which was um, three years ago when we started really using these. Uh, they watch novices and saw them actually improve their scores as the event went on. And, and people were having fun because they were doing better. They were learning, they were improving, they were having some fun. Nice. So Nice. Yeah. So before we wrap up, I think we've kind of given folks a good idea of what the, you know, a good taste of what they're going to get at their first rally. There are different levels, kind of like classes. Do they call them classes? Yes. Okay. So once you're past, you've done a handful of the, you know, the 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 novice level with just your your clipboard and your GPS phone. Like most gearheads, you know, they get the itch like, okay, I want to get a little more serious about this. And usually, when you get more serious, it involves going up to the next higher class. Can we go just quickly through the different classes of road rally? Right. Absolutely. So first off. Unlike uh, the other programs in SCCA, the type of vehicle you're in, the size of the engine, the horsepower is meaningless in road rally. So the only way we divide classes are by the sophistication of the equipment that you're using. So as a novice or in stock class, 
you have the odometer that's in the car, whatever that odometer is. Uh, you have whatever clock or watch or on your phone that you've got uh, and a clipboard. You can, you can do a math if you want to uh, figure out what time you should be somewhere. Um, above that, we, have a, we used to have just one class. We have two now. Uh, class called limited and in limited you could use a more sophisticated mileage measuring okay. equipment it can be a wheel driven uh, odometer or you could use a gps based okay. odometer that's separate from the one in the car okay uh, and you can use uh, you can use a smartphone an ipad a laptop uh, to do calculations about whether i'm early or late okay um, we split out just just this year, we've split limited into a traditional class, which uses mechanical odometers, uh, wheel driven, and we have a, a GPS class now okay. where you're using a, a GPS sourced mileage. Uh, we we found that uh, that that was an advantage. Got it. Okay. Uh, over the uh, other class, so it, we split that. At the top, so, so the forward. GPS is even more accurate than, or is it? it is it more accurate than the wheel driven odometers? It's no, it, it actually isn't. It's I, I gave you a wrong impression there. It's not that it's more accurate. It's okay. that it's it, it's capable of telling you whether you're early or late. Got it. Okay. And that's typically in the past only been information that was available in the top class, which is called equipped. Sure. In equipped, in equipped, most of the teams have a wheel-driven odometer that's very precise to the thousandths of a mile. Wow. Uh, and they have a purpose-built rally computer that takes that input and has a clock built in and you can give it, a, you can input what speed you're supposed to maintain and so forth. And it will tell you whether you're early or late. That's, that's the class I compete in now. Okay. I, many, for many years I competed in stock class with a calculator and a clock and, you know, the odometer in the car, that kind of thing. And, and we had fun yeah, and, yeah. you know, sometimes we did well and sometimes we didn't, but right. Uh, right. So let's talk about money real quick. Um, and it's funny because I've been to the few rallies I've been to, you know, you would see you would see um, a bunch of performance cars in the parking lot. You know, you get mm-hmm. your Porsches, you get your a cup, maybe a Ferrari, you know, and then you'd see a, a, another one that I saw real typical was the Subaru WRZ because there's a rally feel to that car. And of course, mm-hmm. none of that helps you in a road rally, but you see all these different types of enthusiast cars. And then there's always usually like, a minivan in the parking lot and and you don't think that's part of the rally and then that that car wins the yes, people win the minivan yes. win and and that yep. always cracks me up so it's really truthfully it doesn't matter at all as long as your car is mechanically well put together and it works mm-hmm. and it won't break down it doesn't matter yep. what you're driving right it really doesn't uh it can be any street legal vehicle and in addition to cars trucks and suvs i've seen i've seen vans i've seen a stretch limo wow in, a, in an event years ago How, any hearses had, have you seen a hearse yet i've never seen a hearse i think that's that would be the i always wanted to do the race across america that the, the which used to be the old cannonball run a brock yates uh-huh. event okay. i want to do yeah. that in a hearse <laughs> you know with a casket in the back you know that's where my co-driver is going to sleep you know, that's that's what I wanted. I know I'm a crazy ass that's, guy. That's a unique vision. <laughs> I'm a visionary. I mean, clearly yep, I'm a visionary. Go, there you go. <laughs> but you, uh, so let's talk about the vehicles again. Like, as you said, uh, any street legal vehicle, 
depending on the roads you're going to be on sure your choice your choice of tire can help you or hurt you right if you're if you're going to be on a a an event that has a lot of uh, secondary roads gravel that kind of thing uh you really want a different tire and you're going to run if you're going on the street we typically run uh, winter tires and Detroit region events because there's a lot of secondary roads and mm-hmm. uh, gravel, that kind of thing. Uh, so th- it's a factor. It's not something that you would worry about as a first time. Sure, sure. You, you would. Th- one of the things that's fun about road rally is you can drive what you've got. Right. The no, no special equipment, no special licensing, no helmets. Right. You know, it's just run what you bring. So when you get to that limited categories, um, what, what does it cost to get the equipment to do something like that? It's changing. Okay. Uh, but you're looking at a few hundred dollars okay. there. Uh, at the equip level, if you're going to go with the purpose-built rally computer, you're looking at a couple thousand. That was going to be my next question. Uh, dollars there, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And is that something you just leave in your car all the time once it's installed, or do you can you put it in just for the event and pull it out? Um most people don't leave the equipment in the car. The the wheel driven odometer uh, would would stay in sure. many cases. It, in the car that we run, which is a Focus RS, we have the pickup on a half shaft. Okay. So it's it's watching magnets turn on a on a half shaft. Got it. So the that pickup stays in the car, but the computer and the other like the clock and the readouts that the driver uses to see if he's early or late, we take those out. Uh, in between events. Got it. Okay. Got it. Okay. So it sounds like, you know, we've, we've pretty much covered the gambit. So just to, so people know, I talked earlier about, you know, wanting to do rally 201 rally to, you know, 301. So our mm-hmm. next episode that we do this with is going to be on how to do this as an equipped driver, as an equipped team, uh, okay. I'm sorry, as a, as a limited team. And then rally 301 is going to be how to do this as an equipped team. And I okay. think that'll get us through, you know, the majority of 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 what we're, you know, what rally is, and uh, certainly want to have um, other discussions about the big events. We're, we'll we'll do a show on the the U.S. Uh, rally championships, and and all of that kind of stuff. So um, I'm ho- hoping you'll be able to, you know, introduce me to some of the participants that we can have on the show, and, and do some storytelling, and because that's the best part is telling the stories. And and but this was a good good uh, opening salvo into our 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 SCCA University series of podcasts here, and uh, with Rally 101. So I'm not sure which 101 will be done next. My goal is to do all of the 101s before I get to the 201s. So I you know everybody gets their their you know their their little time in the sun here. But uh, but that's how we're going to do this. And and Mike, I really appreciate uh, you joining me here and helping me out getting this first one on the air. Thank you. This has been fun. All right. That is going to do it here for this episode of Inside the SCCA. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the Racing Wire Podcast Network so you won't miss an episode. It would also be great if you leave a comment, especially if it's a good one. You can follow us on social media to find out who our next guest is or to leave us a question. On Twitter, it is at uh, racingwire.net. This is Inside the SCCA. New episodes every week. I'm Brian Bolanski. Remember, as I always say, go play with cars. I'm Abby Shear, and when I'm on my way to an autocross, 
I listen to the Inside the SCCA podcast. Inside the SCCA is a presentation of the Racing Wire Podcast Network and Rural 15 Productions. This podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, or sponsored by the Sports Car Club of America. The views expressed within are those of the host and our guests and not that of the SCCA.